Kyle, I've got the solution to our dreary, dreary evenings. We can um, we can we can pop a little magic mind and Ooh. get a little pick me up and and still still go to sleep just enough to give us some some clarity of mind, uh, a, a little creativity, get the creative juices flowing. Maybe give you one or two before the podcast, you know, <laughs> to really focus you in. Uh, you you fall asleep during one podcast and all of a sudden that's your problem. Uh-huh. But yeah, absolutely. The worst thing you want to do is, you know, brew a pot of coffee at middle of the night right before a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Then you're up the entire evening. What you need is good, sustained energy, clarity of mind, not, you know, a jolt of caffeine that hurts yeah. your body and all these things. Absolutely. And uh, Magic Mind uh, does all that stuff and has that. Uh, okay. Matcha. I want to talk about matcha, Drew. Okay. All right. The the green vegetable matcha, that 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 buzzword, that superfood. I didn't think I'd like matcha. I uh-huh. am starting to like matcha, and that's one of the big key ingredients here is that that uh that lovely green superfood that has the benefits of all the uh, uh keeping you going. Yeah. And it uh yeah it it's cool stuff. It, it's pricey. Uh, mm-hmm. Matcha is. But they stick it in this uh, with with some great other ingredients, all natural stuff. Um, so, but you you can get it through us with our code. So we want you to check out this Magic Mind elixir. Check this out. It is go to MagicMind.co/slash/comicsfunprofit. And elixir really is the perfect word for it. It's a nice little elixir. It's very yes. cool. For sure. If you feel you want to try this out, go to magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit and use our code. You can get um, 20% off uh, of an initial one-time purchase or up to 56% off of a subscription. So if this sounds good to you, go to magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit and use our code CFP. You can get up to 50%, 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days with the code CFP. Or you can just use that discount code CFP at magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit to get 20% off a one-time purchase. Just to sample, dip your toe, check it out. Aloha, it's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I am welcoming back a friend of the podcast, Ringo Award-winning writer David Peppels. He is here to promote The Devil That Wears My Face from Mad Cave Studios. Now, it is a six-part limited series. The first issue came, well, when this interview is released, the first issue came out on October 3rd. Issue 2 comes out on November 22nd. The diamond code for that is SEP231853, or the lunar code is 923MA. Five two one, David. Welcome back to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to catch up, and yeah, thrilled to talk about the Devil that Wears My Face. Uh, it's a book that's been in the works for quite some time, and uh, I'm so excited that it's finally uh, seeing the light of day. Yes, and we're going to talk a little bit more into that. These listeners, it's a very good, it's a very good first issue, and I can't wait to read the rest. But let me just go through some of the other stuff. David, I'm just going to go over some of your past works. Sure. Spencer and Locke, you know, that listeners, I have to say, you have to pick up the first trade. Oh, my God, that was incredible. 
um, David, correct me if I'm wrong. To me, it was an it was an it was a different take on Calvin and Hobbes, but I love oh, I love it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, boy, I, I loved writing that book. Uh, yeah, for those who aren't familiar with Spencer and Locke, mm-hmm. we build it as a what if Calvin and Hobbes grew up in Sin City. So it's about a hard-boiled detective who who is investigating the murder of his childhood sweet's partner is a seven-foot-tall imaginary blue panther that was mm-hmm. his childhood imaginary. Um, so yeah, we're very excited. Um, you know, we did uh, volume one and we did a second volume, and mm-hmm. we're looking forward to doing a third volume down the pike. There've been kind of some some outside circumstances that have, have sort of yes. kept us from doing that third volume, but we're hoping those will clear up sooner rather than later. And uh, George Santiago Jr. and I are itching to get back to it. Oh, that's great. Also, two Scouts Honor, that was great. Going mm-hmm. to the Chapel, Savage Avengers, the Hulk Annual Number One that just came out this year. Yeah. The OZ, we're gonna talk. I want we're gonna talk, I want to ask you about that sure. a little bit later in the interview. Yeah. Um and David has also written a number of short stories for the Marvel Black, White, and Red series, like issues Darth the Darth Vader, issue number two, Moon Knight number two, Electra number three. He is currently working on Moon Knight City of the Dead, and he has an upcoming Marvel series, The Punisher, that will be coming out on November 8th. Now, David, where can listeners, first off, buy these issues, um, where can they go on your, um, promote your website, basically, to, yeah. so they can buy some of these issues? Sure. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, first off, you can order many of these books through your local comic shop. Um, mm-hmm. Every book except for the OZ is distributed through Diamond. Um, you can also visit my website, davidpepos.com, uh, where I have a, a web store that I, um, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, or just find me at a convention. Uh, I will be, um, uh, by the time this comes out, uh, I believe it'll be around New York Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll be at New York Comic-Con. So uh, find me, uh, buy books from me. I will gladly sign anything you buy. And also, where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Blue Sky, and Instagram at PeposD, uh, David Pepos Comics on Facebook. And uh, my newsletter, Pep Talks, is at bit.ly slash pepnews. Okay. Now, David, I did not include this because I want to say this to you personally. <clears throat> Excuse me. Listeners, um, two years ago, um, David helped out me and Drew, the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, because David was the first creator that reached out to us. I remember Drew had picked Scouts Honor number one. He posted that on Twitter and you went, hey, if you guys want an interview, let me know. And you were, you were the first person that I interviewed in a long format interview. Thank you very much. You were so generous and so kind because we, you know, we, I sent an I remember sending you messages like, hey, you know, I did some stuff. I can send you my resume of who I interviewed. And you're like, nah, that's all right. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, no, I, I, I appreciate it. I mean, look, we're, I always say we're, we're, we're all in this together. Um, you know, uh, journalists and, and creators, I think uh, we need each other. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I always appreciate you taking the time generous with your support and, um uh i i i all i can say is i'm i'm glad that i i kind of set the bar really low for any future guests um <laughs> but i i yeah i i appreciate it um you, you know you've been uh, such a, a a tireless supporter of my work and uh, that means a lot it uh, it's something that i i i i talk about a lot with my fellow creators um you know it's so easy especially when you've hit a certain level in the industry to kind of treat creators like a monolith mm-hmm. uh and 
it really, no, you know, we're, we're very much we're mom and pop shops. We're all independent contractors. Uh, it's so easy to uh, uh, make somebody's day by a, a kind word or ruin somebody's day by just kind of a, a, a nasty tweet. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I've been thinking a lot lately about like, you know, the, the, the positive corners of, of uh, the comics internet um, are something that's really special and mm-hmm. uh, persist against all odds and all uh, structural hurdles to the contrary. And so that's something I'm always grateful for, something I always appreciate uh, because you don't get to the level that I've been uh, uh, fortunate enough to get at without a, a real village of uh, mm-hmm. of press and, and retailers uh, supporting me every step. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. I'm also going to continue on that. You know, I want to give a shout out to Frank Silva. Frank, thank you very much. Um, Frank is from Mad Cave Studios. Frank, thank you very much for sending me an advanced copy. I'm, I'm sorry, off the cuff question, David. I forgot to write this down. Do you <laughs> want to add anything to that? Oh, no. I mean, look, the Mad Cave crew has been amazing. Uh, Frank Silva, Allison Pond, Maya Lopez, uh, along with my editors, Mike, Christina Harrington and Mark London and, and Chris Fernandez. And, and I'm sure a whole host of, of people that I, I, I've left out. Um, no, Mad Cave has been such a, a welcoming and wonderful place to mm-hmm. work with. Um, they've been so proactive on promoting this book. And it, mm-hmm. it really means a lot um, for, for, for me as a creator to know that my publisher feels is invested in this book's success. And that they've uh, really put their money where their mouth is in terms of promoting it. So yes. uh, if you're listening to this podcast, um, it is because, you know, of, of not just my efforts and Alex Cormick's efforts, but also Matt Cave as, as an entity's efforts to, to make mm-hmm. the devil a, a success. So uh, if you're listening, uh, you know, uh, call your local comic shop, ask them to order it for you if they haven't already. Yes. And I uh, uh, hope you enjoy the book. Also, too, um, thank you, David. To prepare for this interview, I got some of the information from a um, another friend of the of the podcast, Chris, from the YouTube podcast Lost in Comics. Um, he um, is titled "Interview with David Peppels." That was dated on August twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. Um, if listeners, if you guys get a chance, please check out that great interview. That was a fun interview that you guys did. Yeah, it was it was really fun, and it was a great way um, to really kind of reconnect um, yes. with with with, with a, a, a really wonderful audience. And um, yeah, just get to be able to talk about some of my upcoming work. I mean, it's been a, a very busy 2023. Yes. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, be able to do a lot of stuff with my creator on work. Uh, I've been able to play in a lot of different sandboxes over at Marvel. Oh, and yes. um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a great way to get to talk about things like the Devil Wars Ace or mm-hmm. uh, my, my current run on Moon City of the Dead mm-hmm. or upcoming run on uh, Punisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, origin story for uh, the new Punisher Joe Garrison will be starting uh, just in a couple of weeks uh, after this podcast. So yeah. Um, yeah. It was really nice to be able to catch up and uh, he did such a great job. Really, he was really thoughtful with all of his questions. So I, uh, That's great. All right. All right, David, let's just jump right in. The devil it. that wears my face. Yeah. I'm going to ask this simple question. What is the story about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I build the devil that wears my face as face off meets the exorcist. It's the story of Father Franco Vieri. He's an 18th century Vatican priest who is dealing with a pretty profound crisis. of, uh, And so his his superiors at the Vatican uh, send him to Spain to perform an exorcism on the son of a Spanish nobleman. And the problem is it's, uh, the ritual backfires. And so Vieri finds himself trapped in a stranger's body. Mm-hmm. While Vieri's body has been hijacked by the biblical demon. Nobleman. 
Mm-hmm. who uh, immediately returns to the Vatican to start wreaking havoc. Um, so it's been a really fun book. Um, I consider it kind of a a sister uh, title spiritually to Scout's Honor in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, that's right. Instead of, instead of doing kind of the, the, the post-apocalyptic look at a, a crisis of faith, we are doing kind of a supernatural horror take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a genre I've, I've wanted to play in for quite some time and uh, I couldn't have asked for a better project to start uh, working in horror with. And, um, and I couldn't have asked for better collaborators. Um, uh, Alex Cormick um, from Road of Bones and Sea of Sorrows mm-hmm. and Cage and Breath of Shadows and Sink, just to name a few of his uh, prolific talents. Um, he's on, uh, he's, he's, he's doing the art on the book and he's doing the work of his career on, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Birch is our letterer who I, I've worked with on a number of us absolutely just uh, slamming it out of the park um and yeah working with my editors uh mike martz and christina harrington who uh, mm-hmm. they were my editors in scouts honor back at aftershock and uh it's it's so nice to be able to work with them again uh, you know they they christina especially was just kind of getting to know me um mm-hmm. uh, together and now okay. um you know i she's one of my favorite editors i, I consider her a good friend and mm-hmm. Just, uh, I love working with her and and Mike I've known since uh, I was a college student so uh, it's been nice kind of going full circle with him um, mm-hmm. uh, as 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 my career has, has taken on so yeah um just a really fun book you know that sort of it is about kind of um uh examining what happens when you have a crisis of faith mm-hmm. and ultimately you know truth truth is really the antidote to, yes. to all of that. Mm-hmm. um it's, but sometimes uh facing that truth can be can be challenging and and um, but, you know, the refusal to, to to stare the truth in the face, that is really kind of the engine that keeps this this game of cat and mouse going. And, uh, yeah. So lots of lots of fun historical horror action uh, for, mm-hmm. for our readers. And I don't think there's anything else in the stands like the devil that worst. And uh, I can't wait for readers to get get to check it out. The other I want to ask, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Yeah. You know, was there a reason why you placed the, the story in the um, 1800s and in Spain? Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. So, um, you know, I, I wanted this to be a, a, a historical uh, thriller um, just because this is a body swap story. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of sort of it's a it's, it's a story about mistaken identity and sort of these two characters trying to kind of one up each other. It's a little bit of, of cat and mouse. And so once you add in like electronics, that really kind of adds that throws a wrench into mm-hmm. that thing in, in a way that I think is. It, it, it runs very counter to what I would want. You know, you don't want to have to deal with electronics and, and things mm-hmm. like that, that, that that cuts against the tone um, that I was searching for. So I actually, I did research on um, the Vatican and every single Pope mm-hmm. uh, that existed, yeah. uh, trying to find like the right, the right one. Um, pope yeah. Clement, uh, who was the Pope in our series, that he was actually the Pope, um, you know, in 1740. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the year he died. Um, and, uh, things are, you know, I thought it was a great representation of a church in decline yes. um, in, in, in reality, just like he is in our book. Um, you know, he's blind and bedridden, mm-hmm. um, he's kind of on death's door. He's sort of, he's performing the Pope's duties to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. also at that point, the, the Vatican, um, you know, their, their finances were in shambles. Yes. There was mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, of competition in terms of, people uh, in terms of just religion i mean the freemasons were kind of an up-and-coming movement um and uh yeah it was just it struck me as the perfect time to kind of represent 
the Vatican as a Titan that is uh, on a precarious perch right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole climate feels a little bit like a powder keg. And um, maybe this is the spark that like, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun on that one. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit, but I'm trying not to spoil too much, but because he dropped hints of, because Father Vieri, it's not just a, oh, I lost my faith in God. Oh, oh, oh. it's, there's, 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 the church has their, um, their own agenda. And yeah. Father Vieri sees like, wait a minute, I thought we we're supposed to serve a higher purpose and not, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 Vatican, especially back then, um, was just as much a political entity as it was a religious entity. Yeah. And um, and that is, I, I think, something that we deal a lot with in in our series is that um, it's called the Curia, which yes. is it's kind of the Pope's inner circle. You know, you're dealing with like the the, the head of the College of Cardinals. You're dealing with the head of the Inquisition, mm-hmm. the Secretary of State, uh, sort of core uh, people like that. And um, with the Pope kind of all but absentee, these are the, the skeleton crew that are kind of really running things at the Vatican. And um, that is kind of a, a really fun um, gauntlet for Legion to be running. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, um, is, is that without spoiling too much, um, Vieri is sort of the protege of one of these cardinals. And yes. that's why he's, he's sort of uh, uh, had this unique access in and everybody kind of sees as, as considered Vieri to at most be, you know, his mentor's pet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of meek and, you know, sort of keeps to himself. And um, Legion is never going to keep to himself. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of that's been a lot of fun with this series is um, kind of seeing like some of these characters kind of taking a, a, a beat being like, whoa, like Vieri's like really, you know, really acting out. And yeah. then, of course, their preconceptions are like, nah, that's just, you know, whatever. Like, he's, it, it, this couldn't be anything sinister. Yeah. And that's like the perfect cover for yes. this is that, um, nobody expects Vieri to do anything, mm-hmm. uh, out of the ordinary. And so that's, that's going to be a big through line in this book is, mm-hmm. is, uh, the church is not just a religious entity, it's a political entity as well. Yes. And, um, Vieri is not great at playing that game. Yeah. Uh, Legion's a lot better suited. Oh my God. Okay. One character I want to ask about is Maria. Yeah. Is she going to play a key role in the story? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. She is really kind of Viri's foil throughout this whole series. Um, Maria, for for those who haven't read the book, um, she's an attendant for um, Hugo Azan. Who is is sort of the the Spanish nobleman whose son Santiago yes. uh, winds up sort of becoming this unwitting cage for Vieri's uh, soul, and uh, Maria is going to kind of be the 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 make or break for for Vieri. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody is going to believe Vieri when he says, "I'm a priest and I'm trapped in this guy's body." They're just going to assume this is a the devil, you know, who's possessed this guy, just saying more nonsense. Like yes. we we, we got to cast him out. And um, Maria might be the first one to sort of be like, this feels different. Mm-hmm. Like, you might be, t- is he telling the truth? Yeah. Uh, Vieri and Maria's dynamic really is kind of like, is one of the through lines of the whole series. Um, you know, she really, uh, she makes or breaks a lot of his, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, without spoiling too much, there's something about her that kind of 
acts as a little bit of an equalizer. Uh, Legion has really stacked the deck because he's able to kind of navigate the Vatican unseen. Mm-hmm. And he's also still got all the powers of, of his demonic heritage. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, Vieri, without spoiling too much, is kind of saddled with all the weaknesses. Yes. And none of the strengths. And so uh, Maria is going to have to be kind of the, the one who helps even the odds a little bit for him. Uh, and so watching them team up against this kind of larger than life threat, uh, it's really fun. And it's kind of a, a nice way to add um, to, to, to make sure that we have like a strong female character in this book. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Maria, she really, she rises to the occasion uh, quite often. She wound up being a very fun character. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Now, um, well, actually, let me preface this next question. Now, I love the title of the book, um, you know, because, you know, sometimes we hear, you know, like how we hear, and, and I remember you're a reporter at one time, you know, how sometimes we hear all these horrific crimes and sometimes we'll hear either a friend or the family will say like, you know, but they seem like a nice person. How did you guys come up with the, this title for the book? Yeah, um, boy, I'm trying to remember since we got on this title that might have actually asked as we asked it i think that may have been mad cave may have suggested that title oh, okay um as we were sort of uh hashing out ideas for it i think that that was that was their contribution and i really i, I was like oh yeah that's a cool title um and that yeah. really kind of i think uh galvanized the whole project uh, mm-hmm. anyway. um but uh yeah you know i think it just it speaks to what the book is about. It feels yes. evocative in, in a certain way. And um, yeah, and I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's sort of, it's a trend that I'm not necessarily naturally suited for mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you see there's, you know, something is killing the children is a great example, or mm-hmm. what's the furthest place from here, yeah. sort of these longer, more evocative titles. And so, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool to, to, to get out of my comfort zone um and you know where i'm usually doing kind of punchier two or three word titles uh to do something a little longer and a little mm-hmm. more broke uh and uh yeah it was it was it was fun okay that's so cool okay you mentioned that you know mad cave was the one that contributed to the title how did you team up with mad cave studios yeah so um mark london and chris fernandez uh at mad cave they, they've been fans for a, a long of my work mm-hmm. Um, even dating back to, to Spencer and Locke. And so we, we've talked for a number of times over the years. Um, and, you know, we were talking about like trying to find the right project to work on together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, 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 we hadn't really found like the right timing and the right, the right project to, to, to collaborate on. And um, it was about, by the time this interview had been, it was about two years ago wow. um, mm-hmm. that, that they were like, Hey, listen, like we're making a really big push to expand Mad Cave you know, there's, they said they were doing Steve Orlando and Chris Sabella, who are two mm-hmm. creators I really respect, and and you know both as creators. And um, I was like, you know what, like, yeah, like let's 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 do something. And so we were kind of batting ideas around, and and we all really kind of locked on on Devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like, all right, that feels like a cool way to go about doing. Um, and just then, you know, over the course of the development of this book, it took a while to kind of get this book together. Um, because I was juggling this along with uh, with my Marvel output, uh, mm-hmm. Marvel yeah. just brought me on to work on Savage Avengers, and so we were we were kind of working on on that. And so uh, as I was putting scripts together, we said, you know, who would be like a great artist to work on this mm-hmm. book? Like I love Alex Corman. I've been a fan of his since his work on Sync. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
comics tribe. And I've, I've gotten to be friendly with him through uh, our mutual friend, Rich Duick, who mm-hmm. uh, has done uh, the, the majority of his work with. And so um, Chris and Mark were like, oh, we'd love Alex. Do you know him? Would you be able to reach out? And so, mm-hmm. um, and Alex, you know, seemed very excited about the concept. And so it was, really was a win-win. And uh, as we were really the only, the only um, thing that, that kind of, the only reason that it took a little while to start was we just needed to fit in Alex's schedule. Alex yeah. is a monstrously prolific artist. Uh, he's the, he's the, the guy who's like often working on like three projects at once. And yet he doesn't like skip a beat in terms yeah. of quality. I mean, he really, I, I call him a unicorn all the time because I've <laughs> never worked with an artist uh, as, as talented and fast and gracious as him. Um, mm-hmm. He really is just so, um, uh, um, so we we just needed Alex's schedule to open up. Mm-hmm. As Alex's schedule opened up, shortly before that, um, Mike Martz and Christina Harrington joined the company. Awesome. And like I said, I've I've known Mike mm-hmm. since I was in college. I, I interned for him back when he was at DC. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've known him for for ages. And uh, Christina, I loved working with her on Scouts Honor. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like it felt like fate. Um, that the whole team was kind of coming together in such yes. a strong way. And Justin Birch, uh, both Alex and I had worked with him on, on various projects. Uh, Justin's worked with us a lot um, on, on his work over at IDW. And meanwhile, I had worked with Justin. Um, I'd worked with him on an anthology s- story as well as um, a graphic novel that hasn't been yet. Mm-hmm. So I've known, I, I've worked with Alex or for, with Justin for some time. And um yeah, it's just honestly, uh, having that team, it really, I, I don't think I've ever worked on a project that has flowed this mm-hmm. seamlessly. Yeah. Um, and it really speaks to the, the talent of everyone. I think we're all just, um, we're really, we're all rowing in the same direction. Uh, mm-hmm. I think yes. we feel very strongly about the vision of this book. And, um, yeah, it's made for, for a project that I'm, I couldn't be prouder of. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it's one that I, yeah, I, I, it, it does kind of feel like a return to my roots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for people to see. Oh, yes, it's great. Speaking of, of Alex's art, I love, I love the art style in the book. I love the color. He did, the, now correct me if I'm wrong, he did the colors, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, Alex is a one man band. Um, he, he can do, he, he, he knows how to do everything, including the lettering. Um, but, uh, we're trying not to, 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 to kill him on that one. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, 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 we'll serve that to, to, to Justin. Um, but yeah, Alex, um, you know, I, I did an interview with him recently um, where he'd said that he'd got to start working animation, mm-hmm. that, he, that he really enjoyed storyboards and that he wound up um, uh, winning a contest uh, that, that Jim Zub was throwing uh, for skull kickers. Mm-hmm. And that was a comics work. Um, but he told me, you know, he, he said, Oh, you know, like he studied fine arts. And so mm-hmm. he, he knew just how to do like paints. Mm-hmm. And so um, seeing the way that he he tackles that, it's a really cool uh, holistic way of approaching a comics page. Uh, and he, he works digitally. So he's also very nimble in terms of, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just had a a, a, a page in, in devil number three where um, I was like, Hey, this one panel here, I'm realizing like we could set something else up here instead Mm-hmm. Would you mind instead of having like a, a shot on this guy's face, we this other thing instead? And mm-hmm. so gracious about it. Um, even though I was asking him to do it in at sort of the eleventh hour. Um, so yeah, he really is um just 
so technically proficient and just um and such a gracious collaborator. I, I really, I, 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 I probably make him uncomfortable during podcasts with him where I just, I, I gas him up the whole time, but he really is. Um, Alex is the real deal. And, um, you know, Bram Stoker award nominated uh, artist and he deserves it a hundred thousand percent. If there's any justice in this world um, uh, with the work that he's putting out in 2023, uh, hopefully he will win that award uh, uh, next year. That'd be nice. Now, Listeners, I have never seen The Exorcist, um, but when I saw Father Vieri, um, Alex's design, to me, I thought he looked similar to Father Damien, um, Karras, the, the priest in The Exorcist movie that was played by the late actor Jason Miller. Now, David, correct me if I'm wrong. Am I reading too much into this or did you guys talk about, you know, um, Father Vieri's character design? Because he, yeah, we, we, talked, face, yeah. we talked a lot about the, the character designs. I mean, Alex really take, took like kind of the, 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 the preliminary notes that I threw out and took the ball and really ran with it. I know like we talked a lot about Barry's design. We talked a lot about uh, Legion's design. Mm-hmm. Was, I mean, we went through every single character. Um, mm-hmm. And what's funny is that the way that we kind of went about doing it is oftentimes the final designs wound up incorporating elements usually from two different designs alex would usually send me three or four headshots per character mm-hmm. and i would say hey what if we took this first one but we took the hair from the second one or something yeah. like that or the eyes i i wound up actually um taking every single design and kind of rubik's cubing them on photoshop just yeah. to be like what like seems to click for me um and that was like a really fun collaborative way of going about it um yeah for vieri i know a big inspiration for me uh, that I talked about early on was um, Hamish Linklater um, from Midnight Mass. Uh, you know, okay. sort of this guy who, like, he doesn't look super assuming, but mm-hmm. like, kind of turn on a dime pretty quick, and, mm-hmm. and he could still support look, being the villain of the piece um, uh, uh, visually. So, um, yeah, we talked about that. Um, I know Santiago's look evolves quite a bit. Uh, mm, okay. As you meet him, um, as you see him initially as Legion's victim, uh, you know, he, he looks like a wild man. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, by the time that Vieri makes his Count of Monte Cristo escape, mm-hmm. uh, Santiago cleans up. Uh, yes. so we'll, 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 we'll kind of see how that, how that look evolves. And, um, and then meanwhile, kind of having the, the, the Cardinals and sort of figuring out how can we shorthand their qualities in a visual mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh Vieri's mentor cardinal pentecost like you know he seems like kind of a, a you know a, a stand-up straight-up dude whereas like cardinal mancini who's the head of the inquisition like yes. how can we make him look like the jerk that he is yes uh, you know uh uh in, in visual shorthand or uh, cardinal fortunato the uh the kind of scheming secretary of state the state um how do we you know kind mm-hmm. of say that uh just in just in the character design yes uh Alex is so talented at the acting of it all. Yes. And, uh, that was something that really struck me even more than the way that he tackles mood and the way that he's tackled, uh, you know, very degrees of lens in this book. Mm-hmm. The acting. Um, he, he really seems to relish that, which I think is a, such a cool thing. Um, and so, yeah, these characters, um, you know, Alex did such a great job and he was very thoughtful about the whole process. Mm-hmm. He and I talked a lot at length about uh what the final designs for all these characters would would look like and uh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really happy with all they all turned out yeah it's great it really is um 
before I move, start moving on to other questions, listeners, I want to mention Alex's work on the colors, the mood of, it sets the mood and the tone of how creepy this book is. Um, even the scenes in the Vatican look a little, it doesn't look bright. It doesn't look, it just looks, um, a little dreary. It looks a little, dre- I shouldn't say dreary, but it doesn't look that bright. It doesn't look like angelic or brightness. It's like, it's always a little bit of a shadow. And I love that scene, you know? Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, yeah, it, 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 it's all Alex. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot of just how do we maintain the mood? Uh, yes. of it. Um, and yeah, I think, um, Alex really is, is, is walking a tightrope in terms of, you know, how do you make sure that the, the, the action is clear? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but at the same time, how do you sort of make everybody feel a little uncomfortable? <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, so far he's, he's done such a, an excellent job. Yeah. It all, yeah. So far we're, we're, we've, we've just finished up the art on the first half of the what uh, by the time when we've done this interview and mm-hmm. I'm sure by the time that we this interview goes live we'll be much further along than that mm-hmm. um and just uh every page is just a real showstopper uh Christina and I were just talking about that actually uh, for issue three and it's just yeah it's Alex is the real deal uh, that's 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 all I can say no oh, that's so cool okay so like you told like you mentioned you know that Part of the premise of the story came from the movie Face Off. Yes. Now, those who have seen the movie, Nicolas Cage plays the incredible caster Troy. Yes. Now, of course, we have, and whoever's seen the movie has got to remember the famous scene where he's dressed up as a priest who is loud and obnoxious, and he's just like dancing. Oh, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Now, may I ask if you can tell our listeners how you, and if I, hopefully I got this correct. That, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, you met Nicolas Cage real briefly, or you had an interaction. Please tell uh, that story. That's yeah, that's funny. Uh, that's a funny story. Yes, I did. Um, it was about 16 years ago, I guess. <laughs> um, actually, a little, yeah, six, like 16 and a half years ago, I was in college. Uh, yeah, I was an intern at uh, Focus Features. It, it, uh, it was the summer between my senior year. It's the first time I lived in Los Angeles, and so... Uh, one of the perks of that job is we were able to take golf carts um, around the back lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember one day I drove to the back lot commissary uh, wearing a Green Lantern shirt, which is kind of a no-no. Uh, Green Lantern, Warner Brothers uh, owned. Uh, but, you know, I was an intern and and my bosses didn't know any better and it was laundry day. Uh, and so I remember I, I went to the commissary and I was, uh, I had ordered a hot dog and I, I was, Mid bite, I was about to eat this this hot dog, and we're just outside in the commissary. That's not like an indoor thing, and I see something coming out of the corner of my eye, and it's it's another golf cart pulling up, and it's Nicolas Cage behind the wheel. And as I'm sitting there with this hot dog, and I just kind of I kind of make eye contact. I'm like, Ugh. and uh, I hear him shout, "Go Green Lantern!" And then he just drives off uh, faster than I thought any golf cart could ever drive. Um, and so yeah, that was my. Uh, that was my close encounter with with Nicolas Cage. Um, I, I it's it's my it's my best Hollywood celebrity story, um, and uh, yeah, made me a fan for life. Um, so uh, uh, if you're listening, uh, uh, I'm a fan, and uh, I'm happy to send you any of my books that you'd like, Nicolas Cage. 
but yeah, um, but yeah, I think that certainly got me on my Nicolas Cage fandom. A uh, huge mm-hmm. fan of his, of his filmography, uh, especially his '90s work. Um, oh, you know, yes. Face Off, The Rock, um, uh, Leaving Las uh, Leaving Las Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Finding Arizona. Um, there's so much. I mean, he's 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 prolific. Uh, uh, Drive Angry, uh, The Wicker Man. Um, mm-hmm. yes. You know, some of these you you love more ironically than others, but like I, you know, I'm I'm I love that. Uh, you know, he always puts the pedal to the to the metal in terms of uh, uh, acting and sometimes yes. scenery. And um, but yeah, Face Off is my favorite. Oh yes. Um, and 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 that is something that. Every time I write a book, I, I always kind of have a to-do list of just mm-hmm. things I'd love to do over the course of my career, things that interest me, um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of pop culture or in terms of narrative tools. And um, the, the the thing is, is that every time I finish a book, I've checked a couple of things off my list, but I seem to have added more. Mm-hmm. I always, I've, I've watched something new or I've, I've read something new. Or I'm like, that's an interesting twist. Let me see if I can, you know, uh, use that in, in, in my own work somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, face off has been kind of on the bucket list for a long time. I love the body swap stories. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Really. It's a great way of sort of, you have to boil down two characters into, into very identifiable archetypes uh, before you, you turn everything on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, you literally, you switch their bodies, uh, you know, in a film sense, it's, it, it's a fun acting challenge. Mm-hmm. But even in the comic sense, you have to kind of be like, okay, like these characters now look very different. Mm-hmm. One another. How do they? How do? How do you make them um, maintain that that character in mm-hmm. that, if they're even if it's a, a totally different uh, uh, body? And I love that you know it sort of puts both of these characters on their heels a little bit. Um, they're both fishes out of water, yes. and it's sort of they're each trying to kind of one up each other. It really is a chess match. Oh yes, uh, you know mm-hmm. where where one of them will 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 make a move and the other one has to make a counter move. And if they don't, then the other person's going to get even further ahead. Um, and, you know, between that, and then I've always wanted to write horror. And so the mm-hmm. idea of being able to do a horror version of that face-off body swap, that's really fun. For yes. me. And so I, 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 it, yeah, this, this I think has been sort of the most uh, uh, check or box checkiest of books mm-hmm. that I've done some time. Where I'm just like, I want to do that. Okay, great. Um, and and uh, Alex has been uh, nice and game for all of it. But yeah, it's um, yeah, I I, I certainly uh, my my love of Face Off uh, shows through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, and I think, I think yeah, that that early image of uh, Castor Troy uh, disguised as a priest. Yes. Um. Yeah, I think that was a huge inspiration for for the whole series. Um. Because. Yeah, the amount of access and the amount <laughs> of uh, uh, the, the 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 reach that the Catholic Church has in the Vatican. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a cool way to kind of really raise the stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's it things are things are going to get rough uh, for for Vieri and company, and hopefully it won't uh, span uh, the, the 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 course of Europe. Oh, that's going to be so cool! I can't wait to read the rest of the series. So. All right, David, I'm sorry, I'm going to move on because I want to also point listeners to um, some of your other Marvel works, um, Avengers Unlimited, because yeah. you've written. Um, now, this is only exclusive to the Marvel Unlimited, the uh, Infinite, Infinity Comics, Avengers Unlimited. You wrote the first six issues of this called The Black Ledger with artist um, Farid uh, Kar- 
Karami. Yeah. You know, and then also too, you did a follow up of um you also did another Avengers Unlimited story, Casino Andromeda, with artist Zay Carlos, and that was from issues forty three to forty eight. So may I just ask for the listeners, um, um, can you tell what these two stories are about? Yeah. Uh so those were those were so fun. Um I've been a yes. huge Avengers fan since uh, I mean for at least fifteen, twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, love the characters so much and i think it's because it's like you're able to really you're you're able to throw together marvel's coolest characters into one adventure and watch them play off of each other yes you know i grew up reading like grant morrison's justice uh, jla Mm -hmm. and that was very similar on the dc side of things um and i think it was around honestly i attributed a lot to like uh brian bendis's run and and mcu that Mm -hmm. like it kind of galvanized that feeling for me for the marvel side of things Mm -hmm. or even Really, it's Jeff Johns and Olivia uh, Olivia Quapel's, um Red Zone uh, arc. That was my favorite of it growing mm-hmm. up. So um, when I worked on Savage Avengers um, and we announced it, I, I had said, like, I've wanted my Avengers for ages. Mm-hmm. I taught myself how to write with Avengers fan scripts. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and on that roster, I had Cloak, Dagger, and Daredevil as mm-hmm. Avengers. So... Uh, that was it was very fun when Savage Avengers came about and I was able to uh, have them on that team. That's right. Yes. Um, so when I when that book came out, I said, you know, I, I've wanted to write Avengers since I was uh, 22 and mm-hmm. I, I the character so much. And I think I think I, I, I'd like to think that my editor, Tom Braveheart, saw that. And mm-hmm. so they were launching this new vertical on uh, Marvel Unlimited. They were doing they had done Spider-Man or Spider-Verse Unlimited and they'd done X-Men Unlimited with Jonathan Hickman. And uh, they were launching one with Avengers. And so mm-hmm. Tom's like to be the opening arc. And I mm-hmm. said, the ability to launch two Avengers titles in the same year, like pinch me. Yes. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, for, for uh, the black ledger, um, I really kind of wanted to do sort of an entry point uh, Avengers story, you know, for those who uh, maybe you, you haven't read Jason Aaron's run, or maybe you haven't read like any of the, the, the major comics runs, but you're familiar with the characters from say, pop culture at this yeah. point. I wanted to do a story that kind of spoke to that. So I kept, uh, you know, a very much a core roster, uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Black Panther, uh, Captain Marvel and She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nick Fury pops up toward mm-hmm. the end. But the, 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 the arc is, um, somebody has, uh, has taken, Nick Fury has made plans to take care of the Avengers if something has gone on mm-hmm. and somebody has unleashed those plans. And so all of the Avengers are kind of finding themselves uh, hyper-targeted. So Steve Rogers, for example, gets injected with the Infinity Formula, which does not play nice with the Super Soldier Serum. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, Iron Man gets locked in his suit and uh, all the Avengers security uh, uh, thinks that he's an intruder in Tony Stark's suit. And so they're Mm -hmm. all gunning him down. Um, And so it was a really kind of fun way to just kind of play off the, the different pairings of these events. Yes. That's something Tom and I talked about early on was to kind of take the old Silver Age Justice League approach, um, which is, you know, you have all the characters together and then you split them off and you half the fun is watch seeing, you know, for me, it was like, oh, if I never get to write Captain America and Iron Man again. I want to write them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also like uh, Thor and Black Panther, you know, who, who are two characters rooted in their respective mythologies how do they kind of play off of each other, which is not a dynamic that I've seen a whole lot of yeah. uh, comics, whereas Thor is the Thunder God, Black Panther is all about subtlety and stealth. 
mm-hmm. uh, those two might not necessarily think the highest of each other as, as mm-hmm. um so yeah that that wound up being really fun and 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 Farid and I we we've actually we've worked together before on on some creator owned work that that um so when when Tom said hey like uh so let me introduce Farid Karami uh, who's gonna be handling the lion's share of this arc I was like I know him uh yeah. that, that's why he uh had to say he he needed to take a, a little pause in our creator owned work is uh, <laughs> Uh, 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 along with working with Alan Robinson um, and David Tinto, um, both of whom are just uh, Alan, especially is just a, a real sweetheart, uh, just a salt of the earth. Um, and David is just fantastic. He just he did another Avengers Unlimited arc recently with Tim Seeley that I read that uh, was really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that was like a really fun uh, story to put together. Uh, Casino Andromeda. That one was 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 so much fun because I really kind of I think got to stretch my muscles a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a, a team up between the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Mm-hmm. That there was a a, a rogue uh, super weapon that was up for grabs at a at a space casino, mm-hmm. and we had the Avengers kind of doing trying to be more proactive, uh, going undercover to try to recover this weapon, and it turns out that the Guardians have gotten the same intel. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it starts off with them kind of butting heads over, you know, trying to secure this weapon mm-hmm. and finding out that there's actually four of them. And so yeah. the team ended up splitting up again. And that was, I think, really fun. Um, you know, I knew that there was a, a Guardians movie coming out. Um, I, right, I, had, yeah. mm-hmm. I had pitched that. Um, I think it was it was the summer before Guardians 3 came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a little bit of a runway for it. And uh, I was thinking, like, OK, like, um let's reverse engineer this a little bit. You know, you have the leader and Peter Quill, mm-hmm. um, but you know, Peter Quill, especially over the, you know, his, his, the way that most people see him in greater pop culture is sort of a, a little bit more of a rested development. Um, mm. um, you know, how would he go up against sort of the, the more rigid military uh, discipline of somebody like Carol Danvers mm-hmm. or, um, you know, uh, Black Panther, who's sort of the, the, the methodical stealth guy. Uh, yeah. Maybe playing him off of Gamora would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, who, like Drax the Destroyer is kind of the, the 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 big gun of the Guardians. Well, who's the biggest gun in the Avengers arsenal? Well, it's War Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then having like all the thieves together, having Rocket and Groot teaming up with Ant Man. Um, oh. you know, it was really, it was it was so much fun. And I think for me, what's 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 so exciting about these stories is. Um, you you figure out your initial pairings. Just what's the what's the pairing that's like most exciting for you that mm-hmm. you're most into. But then for me, I I usually the way that I've tended to do it is you know the last two chapters I bring the teams together. Yes. And so then it's just it's it's just reshuffling um the the pairs all over again, mm-hmm. figuring out okay like what's a cool secondary pairing that you wouldn't think of. Yeah. So um you know like one that kind of that speaks to mind is um you know, like Carol Danvers, like, you know, feeding Groot with solar energy mm-hmm. or, um, you know, uh, a really fun moment was we got to homage that classic Avengers cover with Ant-Man riding on Hawkeye's bow and arrow. Yeah. We got to do that with Gamora, um, you know, firing mm-hmm. like a arrow. Uh, and, you know, being able to kind of draw on like Marvel cosmic is such an interesting kind of wild West corner of that yes. universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite as, built out in the way that say dc's space uh, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense because you know if you had a character at dc who like 
you didn't really want to like go in depth on their origin they're an mm-hmm. alien mm-hmm. whereas I think in marvel uh if you have a character that like you you just want a default origin they're terrestrial they're usually a mutant mm-hmm. and so um so Marvel's space corridors are like a little bit more, you've got sort of like the Jack Kirby influ- uh, influence stuff. And then you kind of, you have all these sorts of things that have not necessarily found a lot of cross pollination. Mm-hmm. A, a real treat in that story. I was like, okay, like, you know, uh, who are some villains we can throw in here? Let's throw in uh death's head. Let's throw in yeah, um, right. uh, yeah. high evolutionary. Can we throw in the fraternity of Raptors? I love the fraternity of Raptors. I pitch them way more often than I should. Um, you know, uh, Okay, we got to have these, you know, the the two kind of brawlers, uh, uh, you know, together. Who could they fight up against? Okay, let's have them fight against the Blood Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ego, the Living Planet, and he's got like a nest of Sidri aliens inside him. Great. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really, I, I, I have to thank Tom Bravewort. My, he's he's been my editor in the majority of my Marvel work, and just mm-hmm. a, a wonderful guy to work. And uh, I give him a lot of credit and a lot of gratitude that. Um, Usually I pitch him stuff that I'm like, this is too weird, right? And he invariably, as long as the characters are available and it fits within the runway of the story, mm-hmm. he's never told me no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the weirder the idea is, the more encouraging he is about them. Uh, and that's one reason of many that I, I, I love working with. Um, but yeah, Casino Andromeda was such a fun story to work with. And, 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 uh, uh, Zay Carlos, uh, just was, 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 game for all of it um really talented guy mm-hmm. um, you know i think he did a, a fantastic job with, with all yeah i i love that story um i feel like that one maybe got a little overlooked when it came out mm-hmm. um but i was so proud of it so yeah i feel like casino andromeda in many ways felt like a spiritual successor to savage avengers for mm-hmm. me and yeah. like it's taking the craziest stuff in the marvel universe i can find and like mm-hmm. throwing it all into the same plate mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, really fun story to write. So listeners, if you have Marvel Unlimited, please check out David's um um stories um on Avengers Unlimited. You know, they are fun stories. Don't please don't get wrapped up in well, this is not continuity. Just just have fun with it. Like, you know, it it's really fun to read. All right. I'm going to ask you um about the OZ. Now, for yeah. listeners, can you what is the story about? Because I've read the first issue. Yeah. I still have my second issue Kickstarter in the boxes in the back, you know, but <laughs> I love the OZ. The first issue is incredible. Yes. I'm very excited for that. You know, it's, it's so funny. Somebody literally just asked me about uh, uh, the OZ this morning. Uh, so I was able to, to talk about that a little on, on Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, the OZ, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's uh, Mad Max meets the Wizard of Oz. Yes. Uh, stars Dorothy Gale's granddaughter, who's an Iraq war veteran who's, who's grappling with uh, disillusionment. And um, she's been hearing her, her her ailing grandmother's stories about Oz for years. And she's mm-hmm. always assumed that they were a fairy tale. Uh, unfortunately, a tornado hits and uh, mm-hmm. this new Dorothy finds herself stranded in the war-torn land of Oz. Mm-hmm. It's now known as uh, the Occupied Zone, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. And uh, Dorothy finds out that um, Grandma killing two wicked witches in a week and then splitting is not a happy ending. That's mm-hmm. basically Baghdad all over again, the mm-hmm. power vacuum. And so um, our new Dorothy has to kind of reunite um, various uh, uh, members of her grandmother's former friends uh, to try to bring peace yes. to the occupied mm-hmm. zone. And um, uh, suffice to say, uh, one of those old friends has really turned into uh, kind of a tyrant. 
Um, yes. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I feel like um, it's been such a fun series. I, I think out of every book that I've ever done, that might be, especially in the creator on side, I think that's the one I'm the proudest of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruben Rojas is doing such a terrific job on the art and Whitney Kogar is just the perfect colors for him. And Dave Hopkins uh, mm-hmm. uh, does such a magnificent job at, at making my dialogue work. Uh, so we re- it really is the perfect creative team. Uh, and uh, and uh, so, yeah, I think it's um, the series. It's taken a little longer for the third art issue to come out than, mm-hmm. than I wanted. Um, it's been written for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I finished writing the series before we launched the first Kickstarter. Um, but just like, you know, life happens, well, yeah. uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that, uh, we had like a good amount of art from Ruben and Whitney mm-hmm. before we did a Kickstarter. Like I've, every Kickstarter has had 11 pages of art, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to show people just to make sure people know that we're being serious about it. And I don't want to keep anybody waiting any longer than we'd have to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ruben is almost half finished with the inks, uh, on this third issue. Um, and Whitney is working hard on the colors. I know she's got a lot on her plate deadline wise as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are probably looking at, at, at sometime in 2024 for a launch on that. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say my goal is maybe March of 2024. Okay. Uh, um, you know, I, I, it's one of those things. Once you hit like, once you go too deep into October, it, it, it kind of becomes a no man's land. I think for, for mm-hmm. doing a Kickstarter that has the reach um that i that i think this book deserves mm-hmm. so i think some i think between like november and january is not really a time that i'd want to hit and so yeah probably i would say probably march um mm-hmm. you know, knock on wood i mean I, I think by then we'll have even more art to show mm-hmm. uh, uh you know hopefully by then ruben will be done with if not done um mostly done and that way yes. we, we don't have to keep anybody waiting any longer than they have to for this yeah. book uh, but I can tell you, Ruben's art is looking fantastic. Um, you know, for those who haven't caught up on the first two issues, um, you know, Dorothy's really had to find her her place as a general in the mm-hmm. Occupy Zone, and um, uh, the mission has been to find the uh, the Silver Slippers, which are kind mm-hmm. of almost an interdimensional weapon of mass uh, in, in the mm-hmm. wrong hands, um, because uh, you know you click your heels and you wind up in another dimension, and mm-hmm. that's what kind of the, the despotic forces of the mm-hmm. this war machine to continue forever across all dimensions uh, uh, ever mm-hmm. conquering. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, uh, Dorothy is trying to kind of stop that. And it's mm-hmm. some of this is, it, 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 it's, it's not turning out the way she'd hoped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, our third issue is kind of our big climactic finale. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, yeah, uh, if you it, it, let's just say the, uh, issue two ended kind of on a cliffhanger. Um, okay, we're not going well for 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 Dorothy and company, mm-hmm. but she's gonna have to find her find her way out of a pretty precarious situation in issue three before uh, uh, the the big final battle. So yeah, I'm really happy with with the book. Um, you know, I I can't wait for the whole thing to be done. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's meant so much to me um to see the support from all of our readers yes. uh, the fact that uh we won a ringo award off of that book that's uh, great yeah the, the readers the readers got us there mm-hmm. uh, so i uh i anybody listening uh you know our yellow Brick road warriors like we have we have stuff coming mm-hmm. uh, so i can't wait 
for, for people to get to, to, to read this big finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those who are just getting to discover my work, uh, you know, whether it's through devil or whether it's through my Marvel work, um, I'm so proud of the OZ and I can't wait for people to, 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 to check out our big finale. And listeners, I read the first issue. I love it. It's great. Um, David, I'm going to move on because we're slowly, I'm going to start wrapping things up. Um, can I ask you, um, First off, um, I want to ask about Ruby, your pet dog. How how is she uh, doing? Uh, she's doing great. Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, Ruby's in daycare right now. Um, uh, uh, yeah, she's she's wonderful. She just turned three uh, this 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 week, so um, she's she's a sweet kid. Um, yeah, she's just kind of my little writer's assistant goblin. Um, she's still got that puppy energy. So mm-hmm. yeah is not quite as uh chill as our as our last dog Holly was. Uh Holly would just be supportive and let me write. Ruby needs a little bit more playtime. Uh but she's such a sweet kid that uh you know, very enthusiastic. Uh you know, she never she, she never uh does anything uh halvesies. She's always uh, if she's enthusiastic, she's very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you know, um yeah, she's doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. No, because um because I know every so often you would post pictures of Ruby. You know, here's Ruby. You know, day. You know, I got a picture from daycare. This is how Ruby's day is going. Or, okay, you know, here's a picture of Ruby not letting me write <laughs> today. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. You know, my other manager. You know, <laughs> yeah. but those are cute pictures. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. No, she's a she's a she's a real sweet kid. Um, and so yeah, I I, I uh, good dog. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh yeah she just likes to cuddle up against me while i write all day every day and mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah couldn't have asked for a, a cuter dog two more questions i know you mentioned you're going to be a new york comic-con yeah. probably around this time when the interview airs um any other conventions after that or oh, that'll, be, that, that'll be um that'll be my last show of the year i mm-hmm. am um i am coordinating um uh a store signing in Denver um, at uh, at I Want More Comics and Games. Um, date TBD. I was going to be doing it in uh, after Comic Con in San Diego, and I, I caught COVID and had to postpone. Yes, I'm sorry. So, uh, we're 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 in the process of of hammering out a date for that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably will be shortly after New York Comic Con. Uh, but uh, uh, once I know more, I will I will uh, I will get that all squared away, and. Um, yeah, those are those are my last uh, shows of the day uh, of the year. Um, I will be doing some signings in Los Angeles. Anybody who's listening, uh, when Punisher comes out on November or on November third, I think is the date. Um, whatever that first Wednesday of mm-hmm. November is, uh, I'll be doing signings at uh, Jeffrey's Comics and Collectors Paradise. Um, Oh no, it's on the eighth. Sorry. Okay. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I was just yeah, I was just trying to make and, sure. And uh, I'll be doing um a signing at Golden Apple Comics uh on uh November eleventh. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, uh, find me there. Um uh, otherwise, uh, I think my next store signing or my next con signing will be C two E two here. So okay. Find me in Chicago. Yeah. All right. Any closing words to our listeners? Yeah. Um. You know, I think it's it's just um. Uh, you know, if you like horror books, um, you know, I really think uh, Devil is uh, the Devil that wears my face. It's unlike anything that's on the mm-hmm. stands right now. 
Um, you know, it's just, it's such a fun mix. If you're a fan of Face Off or The Exorcist or The Count of Monte Cristo, it's such a fun book. Um, and I will say, I, I want to give a shout out to Alex's other Halloween work that's coming out, uh, Drive Like Hell over at Dark Horse with, uh, our pal Rich Duick. Uh, mm-hmm. so if you pre-order both of those books, um, you'll get a nice Halloween double feature. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, uh, anybody listening, you know, we, we always appreciate the support, especially, uh, with an up and coming publisher like Mad Cave, yes. um, you know, they're looking to kind of make their mark. I'm looking to make sure that people who only know me for my superhero work, they see that there's, there are other gears that I can write in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of this book. I think it's as strong as any uh, creator owned work I've done. Um, and, and no small part to Alex's, uh, virtuosic artwork. So, uh, yeah, call your local comic shop, ask them to order you the devil that wears my face. You can also visit Mad Cave's website. I know they have uh, a subscription service as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like we said earlier, you know, follow me on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram at Pepos D, mm-hmm. uh, David Pepos Comics on Facebook, uh, bit.ly slash pep news for my newsletter or just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, davidpepos.com. David, mahalo. Thank you for. Thank you in Hawaiian. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving me another opportunity to interview you. I wish you all the success for your new, your two new series, The Devil That Wears My Face and the new upcoming um, Punisher series that's going to come out on November 8th. Um, I also want to thank Frank of Mad Cave Studios. Frank, thank you very much for sending me an advanced copy. If you are a new comic book fan or a lifelong comic book fan, who loves a good horror movie, uh, story. I'm sorry, a good horror story. Please check out The Devil That Wears My Face. Now, the first issue came out on October 3rd. Issue two comes out on November 22nd. The diamond code for that is SEP231853 or lunar code 0923MA521. Now, I read the first issue. I love it. It's a great story. It has a lot of depth to it. And I can relate and connect to Father Vieri. That he's a great character. Um yeah, and I can't wait to see how the rest of the series is gonna go. And the art and the color by Alex is it's incredible. It's very, it gives that very creepy vibe to the book. It does. I want to thank Drew, the Colsa Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit. It comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Time for a break from our show to pay the bills. Check out beacons.ai slash comics fun profit for all the c4 fap links you could ever need all in one place you can provide feedback listen support share enjoy these we have our patreon there you can buy us a beer or a coffee you can check out our instagrams our twitters our facebooks check out our youtube page you can email us you can listen to our podcasts on Patreon, if you're a subscriber, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on Podbean. We have Google Podcasts on there. We have an Amazon wish list. You want to buy Kyle and I something? Fine. You can do that here. We appreciate it. We have Kyle's RPG podcast listed on there, so you can check out his Dork Day Afternoon offerings. We have Cowabunga links, so you can check out the Cowabunga Deep Discount FOC and Pre-Order List. Get on that. That's RLCS, so you can check that out as well. And we want to just give you opportunities 
to say hi, to check out what we're doing, support us if you would like, or just listen. Check out beacons.ai slash comics fun profit for all the C4 FAP links you could ever need. Thanks. Back to the show. As you know, our LCS is Cowabunga Comics, Lake Country, Wisconsin's best pop culture destination for new comics, back issues, gaming, retro video games, vinyl, and figures. Give them a call, 262-569-9999. Check them out online at cowabungacomics.com or follow them on Twitter at Incredicow. Um, they are our LCS, and we utilize their deep discount mail order service to bring Walk, Wisconsin closer to us. They'll take care of you. Tell them Drew and Kyle sent you. Say hi to Eric and James from us. If you need an LCS, you can't go wrong with Cowabunga Comics.